When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning. It is time to get up with Say It Ain't So Joe. Our Burroughs Bengals busted. After a night filled with huge injuries, we'll sort it out. Meanwhile, Sunday is the season, and now Stefan speaks. So why are we still buying what his brother is selling? And then, go blue? The change, of course, in Ann Arbor. We'll tell you why this story is far, far, far from being over. All that, a whole lot more. Let's do this thing on a football Friday. Yes, get up. Here we go. Jam back we are. Graziano's feeling good. Look at Bart resplendent in white this morning. I like it. It's silver, Grady. It's silver. <laughs> Whatever it is, it looks good. Tannenbaum is ready to roll. We got RC coming. We got Chris Canty coming. And we've got the huge college news from yesterday. And we've got exactly the right people to talk about it. Heather and Paul and don't miss Desmond, the Michigan man on the latest at Michigan. All that and more. I'm going commercial free for the first 20 minutes because there's so much to dive into. It begins with a slugfest on Thursday night. Burrow, Lamar, this thing got ugly early. Opening Ravens drive. Ravens in the red zone. This is Mark Andrews. Bart, what do we see? Well, you hate to see this type of tackle. They're trying to legislate it out. He almost got Lamar Jackson, too. This will be exhibit number one when they take this type of tackling out when you drop your entire body weight. It's an ankle injury. It is expected now or feared to be season-ending for the outstanding tight end, Mark Andrews. Meanwhile, Gus Edwards takes it in for his ninth touchdown of the year. Ravens, the early 7-0 lead. Now, there's Joe Burrow. This is going to be a touchdown to Joe Mixon. Why would Greeny be telling you, pay no attention to the touchdown? <laughs> I want you to see Joe Burrow, the grimace as he throws it, Bart. Yeah, you talk about his grip strength. We saw the brace coming in. They told him it was nothing to see here. I mean, this can be catastrophic for this team going forward in their playoff hole. Look at him. He's on the sideline. You see the he frustration. Knows. He knows something is really wrong with the great Joe Burrow. Off he goes. He wouldn't return. Now we're going the other way. Wait a minute. How did that happen? Better lucky than good. <laughs> you know, we call that the tip drill. It usually goes to the defender, Nelson Ashley. goes out and he's missing. Philadelphia says, why couldn't we get that when you were with us? Look at that greedy. A linebacker that could cover in space. Nah, hey, Johnny on the spot. And he wears 57. And look at him. Nelson Aguilar doing the flip. Ravens a 14-10 lead. Now we're a minute to go. In the half, Ravens driving again. How about Odell with the quicks? Odell Beckham starting to look like himself his first 100-yard game since coming back from the catastrophic knee injury. Later in the drive, who's he looking for? Hey, Graziano, he's got Rashad Bateman. Yeah, oh. Rashad Bateman, former first-round pick. Where's he been? He's been in the end zone at least last night. There you go. 21-10 Baltimore at the half. Now, Jake Browning, who played fairly well, we thought, last right. night. Hey, we'll take that here in New York. Oh, yeah. Done <laughs> <laughs> his Either team. But the Raven pass rush has been good all season long, and there it is again. So 27-13, the lead for Baltimore. Ensuing drive again on a brutal night. This one looks bad, too. Odell had a great night, but how about the hit here he takes, Bart? Yeah, Logan Wilson hustling to the football. Odell Beckham has to get down. He comes back, and we call this the old tomahawk chop. He's oh. trying to get the ball out. Looks like an AC joint or a clavicle. I've been there before, Green. Beckham had four catches, 116 yards. We're awaiting word on that. And Gus Edwards takes it in for his second of the night. Ravens cruise 
uh, to a 34-20 win. Watch as uh, Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson will exchange greetings here. You see, he's, you can see Joe not certain on his situation. Yeah. Let's hear from the coach. It looks like he sprained his wrist. So fell on it early in the game and then felt it on the touchdown pass. Not that I'm aware of. I have no idea. I, uh, all the information I have is, is two seconds worth. And then we went to go try to find to, to win the game. All right, so, I mean, the game all of a sudden takes yeah. back seat. And when he said, look, look, a sprained wrist, you immediately looked yeah. upset. I mean, because I'm, I'm no, no expert, but I've been there before. His grip strength, we get him as linebacker stingers. That looks like nerve damage, and you can't calm a nerve down. You know, it, it calms down on its own. You know, right now, he looks like it's more of an elbow than me because it's like it's being irritated as he throws his, you know, puts his arm over the top. It could be a sprained wrist, but it looks like his elbow grip strength is going to be huge. And the fact that he can't grip a football means that they're going to have to go forward without Joe Burrow, especially like they have the mini buy, but I don't know if it can heal up when you talk about those type of injuries. As I bring Dan in here, Cindy, if we could show the video that they were showing on the broadcast last night of them arriving in Baltimore, a great deal was made of this. You'll see that he was wearing some sort of brace on the hand as they arrived the other day. We don't know any. Well, let me turn to you, Dan. What do we know? No, nothing about this. This was the first indication anything might be wrong. And then, you know, he looked fine early in the game. But what we know about the injury is he's having an MRI today, uh, and and that'll determine help determine the severity of it and how long he'll be out. The text I got back overnight and early this morning uh, said what Zach Taylor said. We really don't know yet. So we'll hopefully we'll have more information on this today. In terms of the thing he was wearing coming off the bus or whatever, you know, is it an injury that they should have reported? Could they get in trouble for that? If it is, yes, they could. We, we don't know. And uh, in terms of injury reporting through the week on the practice reports, there are rules about, you know, if you miss reps, you have to be called limited, et cetera. Bengals didn't really practice in, on a short week, right? It's all estimated injury reports and walkthroughs. So uh, I, I, I'm sure that there will at least be some questions asked by the League of the Bengals about when this injury occurred and whether it should have been reported, where that inquiry would go, I really don't know. All of that said, that whether it leaves them is at 5-5 five and five, with all their losses coming in the AFC, all these losses within their division, and now Joe Burrow, it would appear injured and we'll see how badly. Mike T, the Bengals are a lot of people's Super Bowl team before the season began. Are they done? No, I think they have a puncher's chance. Jake Brownie started 53 games in college, and the way he played last night and the way Barr alluded to it, he was functional. Like, he was (laughs) non-terrible. And for a guy that probably had no reps, to Graz's point, short week on the road, Joe Burrow, whatever reps they had, he took. Mm -hmm. But... They have five wins, Greeny. Right now, the seventh seed in the AFC has seven wins. So it's not ideal by any stretch. They have a mini-buy. Obviously, a lot's going to depend on this MRI, but I don't think it's over. And I know what you meant there. You juxtapose your words. The seventh seed has five wins yep. is what you meant so, to yep, say. Yep. And, and, and so they're right. That, what, are you do, what are you doing? Oh, that's the nail in the coffin. No. It's barbecue. I don't know if the audience could see that. Go ahead. Show it, listen, it, it, listen, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, it is uh-huh. over. Yeah. Over. You, you talk about Done. a team that has the hardest remaining schedule. Let me remind you, Mike T, that they have the Pittsburgh Steelers who can get after, get after the quarterback. Right? You look right there, the Jaguars. The, the, my, the, the Minnesota Vikings is playing well. The Colts, they can lose one of all those games. 
the Browns, the Chiefs. Listen, it is over with. If you have eight losses, they're going to lose at least three of those. Right, but the sixth seed right now is the Cleveland Browns. They're going to be playing Dorian Thompson-Robinson, so they're far from a mortal lock as well. We playing but, Jake Browning. Right, right, right. It's a wash. No right. offense, Jake. Right, but my, my point is the sixth and seventh seed in the AFC is up for grabs. All right, the, but Tennessee, the, the Houston Texans, welcome to the playoffs. That's what I'm saying. The seventh seed is a team that just beat the Bengals on Sunday, right? And, and the Browns have an elite defense. I think the Bengals have a good defense, but it hasn't performed at the level the Browns defense has this year. Right. They're they're one and five in the conference. They're 0 and two against the first place team in their division. It's over. And, and I don't know that. I mean, look, every no one can afford to lose their starting quarterback. But I'm not sure there's a team in the entire league. Right whose fortunes are more tied to its starting quarterback than the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, he, talk about heart, soul, all of it. I mean, everything about the Bengals man. is that player, and, and they know it. I mean, it, it's – How dare you bring facts to an argument with Mike T? So, <laughs> how dare you? What Mike is saying is that if they are able to tread water until Burrow gets back, yes. they might be able to sneak in with nine wins. Greedy, if we're sitting here a month from today, the sixth and seventh seed in the AFC is going to be somewhere between – Eight and nine wins. Now, look, this looks awful. And one thing I will tell you, based on my experiences, players know, and the way Joe Burrow yeah. spoke to Lamar Jackson, he's really concerned. So I'm saying with Jake Brownie, they have a shot to win three more games. And the eight, again, the seven C may have eight wins. It could be Houston. It, right now, it's Cleveland. And of all those other teams out there, they still have a lot of really good players. This was a brutal night. I'm not going to play the John Harbaugh sound in the interest yeah. of time here, but. Uh, trust me when I say that it, uh, Harbaugh said afterwards that it appeared to be a season-ending yeah, yeah. ankle injury. That, that is an, it's a brutal they had, loss. They, Mark have, they, have, they have to yeah. take that what tackle did I say? out of football. You didn't say anything. Oh, sorry, yeah. to Mark Andrews, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they have to take that tackle out of football. He almost got Lamar Jackson. You know, the, the, the dropping of all your weight, especially falling. Listen, I was a member of the Baltimore Ravens on that same field. When Roy Williams, you know, had the – he'll grab you from the back, the horse collar, and drop all his weight. Hmm. Nothing good happens. It's a dirty tactic, and I think they need to take it out of football. It was on, I know it was on the rules committee yeah. uh, short list. This is going to be exhibit number one because he also did it to Lamar Jackson on the sideline as well. Listen, he could run through your taunt to get your head across and drive your feet, not grab somebody and, and pretty much horse collar them and fall down on the back of their legs. To be clear, that is a legal tackle, but – it's under discussion. The Rules Committee is, has already discussed it and, and will take up our competition committee, take up the idea of possibly outlawing that tackle. In the so, so in the big picture, maybe that becomes an illegal play. Yes. In the little picture. So it's tough. I mean, how would you describe the loss of Mark Andrews oh. to this offense just when it feels like it's really coming into its own? Imagine Patrick Mahomes losing Travis Kelsey. He's been the second most productive guy in the AFC. He's Lamar Jackson's security blanket. Yeah. He's a guy that wins in the middle of the football field. He allows all those one-on-ones on the outside for Beckham, uh, for, for Zay Flowers. He's the, he's the guy who sets the table for that offense. Reading, like, I got this from Hemo, but in high leverage moments this year, from a target perspective, in the red zone, 14 targets, two minutes, 12 targets. So, you know, Lamar Jackson, in those high leverage, consequential moments, it's Mark Andrews. So, look, I'm not saying it's a franchise quarterback like Joe Burrow, but if they had to lose any player, the one they could ill afford to lose was Mark Andrews. Yeah, he trusts him completely. And that's something a quarterback absolutely needs. The silver lining, 
He's throwing touchdown passes to these receivers. He's building a little bit of a rapport with these receivers. Zay Flowers, the rookie. Odell Beckham looks like, uh, again, hopefully he's not hurt too badly with that shoulder he picked up yep. late in the game. But silver lining is maybe they're in a little bit better place than they would have been a year or two ago uh, to suffer a loss. It's just a brutal night. I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a game that we had all this hope for, and then all of a sudden Andrews goes down immediately. Yeah. Now they're without Burrow. It took all the, the fun out of the game. Yeah. But in the end, that injury to Beckham didn't look good to me either at the end. I, I, well, I really, really hope that wasn't yeah. anything big. A- AC joints and clavicles are a tough thing. It's more about pain tolerance. Um, but as long as it isn't broken, he'll be okay. We see Keenan Allen has a, a similar injury right there. It's when you fall and all your weight falls on the side. You know, you have an AC joint that sits right here where the clavicle comes with the uh, other part of the shoulder. Yeah, so right here, you see it. Right here. It's, it's not so much the hit. It's the, the fact that his body weight falls on him on the side right there. Yep. And that's where you get a little nerve problem. You know, so long as it's not broken, you know, if it's broken, guys have played with, with, with fractured clavicles, but usually it requires a plate being put My in. My goodness. All right, so that's your top story today. The Ravens great. win. Yeah. The Bengals are in all kinds of trouble. Our other top story this morning, we go from one Harbaugh brother to the other. Michigan and Jim Harbaugh have agreed to the Big Ten's three-game suspension less than 24 hours before Harbaugh was supposed to go to court to challenge it. Remember, he was talking earlier this week about how he was looking forward to his opportunity, and he's always wanted to be there like Judge Judy and Tom Cruise. I'm not kidding around. That's what he was saying. (laughs) And all of a sudden, the about face. This means that Harbaugh will not coach Saturday at Maryland. He will not coach in the regular season finale against Ohio State. There is so much to be said. We have exactly the right people to say it. Desmond Howard is here. Paul Feinbaum is here. And we begin with our insider. Uh, Heather Dinich. Heather, football fans all across the country, I think taken by surprise by this change of tactic by Michigan yesterday. Does this mean this story is over? No, Greeny. This story is far from over. My understanding is that there is mounting evidence against Michigan, and the Big Ten all along had evidence um, in regards to Michigan breaking the rule. I will stand by the fact that the Big Ten and Michigan continue to say there is not evidence that Harbaugh specifically knew about this or orchestrated it or condoned any of it. The question is, did other members of the staff know? What are the other implications? Our reporters are continuing to work this developing story to find out what the evidence was, but the case was dismissed with prejudice yesterday. That means that the court determined two things. You can't bring this back, and there are facts of the case that one of the things Michigan would have had to prove is you could win it in court. So this story is ongoing, and I think that it's important that people stay tuned to it because it's certainly not over. Understand. What we say, I want to make sure that folks understand what you're saying. When, from the Big Ten's perspective at this moment, they're good with where they sit. But the NCAA investigation is what continues, and that's where it could go farther. Am I understanding that correctly, Heather? That's absolutely right. The Big Ten right now, first of all, the Michigan statement was wrong yesterday. The Big Ten never initiated any investigation. The Big Ten's information came from the NCAA. It is now in the NCAA's hands. The Big Ten and Tony Petiti reserved the right, though, to have further implications or punishments on Michigan if more evidence emerges. But now, right now, the NCAA is, or excuse me, the Big Ten is not actively reviewing any evidence. This is in the NCAA's hands. 
All right, so the Michigan legend Desmond Howard is up with us early this morning. He's in Harrisonburg, Virginia, for James Madison and App State, where they'll do college game day tomorrow. Des, the world wants to hear, what is your reaction to this decision by Michigan and the two games that will remain that he will be suspended? Well, Greedy, as a former player, uh, my perspective is I think that because of all of this swirling around the program, swirling around the players last week, can you imagine what it was like for those players? You get on the plane, you don't know if you're going to have your head coach in the biggest game of the season on the road in Happy Valley against Penn State, the number 10 team in the country, and then they land, find out that their commissioner, that they suspended their head coach, but then, wait, there may be a chance he's going to coach. They're going to try to get a judge to review it. And so they didn't know until Saturday if they were going to have Jim Harbaugh on the sideline coach them in the biggest game. At one point, Greeny, listen, Trick Daddy and Jim Harbaugh, they love the kids. So you have to make a decision at some point that's going to give them a clear perspective moving forward of absolutely what they have to deal with. So I do believe that Jim Harbaugh once said after a press conference that he doesn't mind, like, taking the blame, the criticism, the arrows, as long as it protects his adolescent kids and his players. And I just think that's where we are right now. You're looking at two sides. They were about to get into this cage match, a, a fight-to-the-death cage match between the Big Ten's attorneys and Michigan's attorneys. And I think they say, listen, let's not do this. We don't, we don't need this. Neither, neither side is going to benefit from it. So ultimately, given the information that Heather just gave us, I believe that they came to an amicable resolution and then Jim Harbaugh won't be able to coach Saturday against Maryland. And the big one, obviously, the game against Ohio State in the week. Paul, who has taken up, I think, residence now in the Admirals Club at the airport <laughs> in Charlotte, is good enough to do this with us every single week as he travels for the SEC's uh, game day program tomorrow. Paul, what is your perspective on it all? I think cooler heads prevailed on the Michigan side, Greeny. Uh, they clearly got a read on where this was going, and I think they were heading toward a disaster. What I mean by that is once you go into a public, uh, an open public court, you're not really sure what's going to fall out. And, and I have a feeling the Big Ten let the University of Michigan attorneys know you're taking a big risk because we're going to drop the NCAA investigation information, the discovery, and this could prove to be far worse. And I think the biggest fear for Michigan, Greeny, was that the suspension might, you know, probably was not going to be stayed, but it, it could have looked worse for Harbaugh, perhaps keeping him out of the CFP. And I think they protected that. They took the hit now. Uh, it's not a win-win. Michigan lost this round very badly. Desmond, I need to ask you here, and, and we'll see if we can't get Paul's audio just a little bit better, because I do have one more thing I'd like to ask him. Uh, but Desmond, how do you think his absence will impact the team's chances of winning uh, tomorrow, which is a game that they are, are overwhelmingly expected to win, but then obviously the tough test against Ohio State. How much of an impact do you think it has on Michigan's ability to win the game? Well, Greeny, since this isn't their first rodeo, right, they've actually played four games this season without Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines. So I think there's a, a plan in place. I mean, they understand what it means to play without Jim Harbaugh. And I wouldn't take Maryland lightly. And I don't think that they are. Everyone that I've spoken to in that program understands that every game right now is vitally important because they have this Michigan versus everybody mentality. So tomorrow's game isn't going to be a cakewalk as far as they're concerned. And then the 
big one. They know what's at stake against Ohio State, and they have that mentality in Michigan versus everybody, and they're going to go out there and play that one again for Harbaugh just like they did against Penn State. I, very simply, because I've heard a lot of people, Desmond, say they believe Michigan is the best team in the country. I know your, your primary responsibility or your primary job is as an analyst here for us. Do you believe that Michigan is the best team in the country? Greeny, I'm so happy you finally asked me a football question because I was on the field last week in Athens, and that Georgia Bulldogs team was very impressive against Ole Miss. I mean, they're getting healthy now. So I, that, that, there, there may be 1A and 1B, Michigan and Georgia, but I loved what I saw in Athens from the Bulldogs. So those two may be tied for number one in the country right now based on the eye test and everything I've seen so far, Greeny. All right, and we'll see where Ohio State fits into all of that a week from Saturday. Super quickly, Paul, I, I've literally got 20 seconds here. At the beginning of this, we wondered whether this would all lead ultimately to Jim Harbaugh's departure from college football. With Heather telling us that the NCAA is continuing to look at this, do you believe that however this season ends, it will be the end of Harbaugh's time in Ann Arbor? I do believe Jim Harbaugh is going to try to leave. Uh, and, and I think what Tepler said is the most important thing. This may not involve him specifically, but it could be pointing toward his staff, and that reflects on him. I think he'll bail out of Michigan anyway, every way. Okay, I've got to let Paul get to his flight. Desmond, if you want to get back in that, we'll try and get something up a little bit later in the show. As you can tell, we have so much going on today. Let me take a quick break as we continue. So much more from the NFL. Digs, damage, control. Did you see what Stefan had to say about his brother's tweets? You'll hear all about it. Plus, the game of the year, the Super Bowl rematch. Who needs it more on Monday night? We're just getting rolling. It's a football Friday. Get up on ESPN. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
Get Up is brought to you by Old Dominion Freightline, helping the world keep promises. Uh, meanwhile on planet Earth, <clears throat> this is in Dubai. I want you to see where Rory McIlroy hits this tee shot. I don't think this was exactly the way he drew it up. See, he doesn't like it, and that's because, well, he's going to have to get relief here. That This one's just going to wind up in the lap of a spectator. She has to stay there. <laughs> 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 Would you trust her? We're not going to be able to play that where it lies, I don't think. <laughs> oh, God. We're going to get a ruling on that. We're, we're, yeah, I, <laughs> we're have to get a, up might have to get a rubber rolls. club. Give me a rubber yeah. club. I have plenty of experience with it's those things. It's not when, when we play. Coming up. Yeah. Oh, no, Joe. Are the Bengals done after Burrow goes down? Chris Canty makes his way in here next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Out of the backfield, turns a corner, and he is in for Cincinnati's go-ahead touchdown. Joe Burrow has now gone to the blue medical tent. He showed like he was in pain after the touchdown pass, and he has been ruled out. Obviously, when you lose your starting quarterback, it's tough. It just didn't go away. Pocket collapsing, fires to the end zone. Touchdown, Rashad Bateman. Give us to the bus, and the bus rolls in. Touchdown, Ravens. And the Bengals will carry huge worries out of Baltimore with Joe Burrow missing the second half with a wrist injury. We're still awaiting word on the MRI as Dan is waiting for a text and we'll hear any word we can on Joe Burrow, but it did not look good last night. We continue with the bottom of the hour. Our buddy Chris Canty makes his way over as he does every Friday from Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. The question of the morning really is, is this Bengals team, which so many people saw as a Super Bowl favorite before the season began, with this injury, the difficulty of their schedule, and all the losses they already have in division and conference, are they done? Yeah, they're done. And I said this a month ago, G, when they started out 1-3, and three, I get it, they win four straight games, everybody jumps back on the bandwagon, but their margin for error was so small, and coming into Week 11, you're talking about a team that had every single opponent remaining on their schedule at 500 or better. They had to stay hot for a long period of time, and I just didn't see that happening. And when you consider the fact that they're 1-5 in the conference, they're 0-3 in the division, I just don't see that happening. In order for them to get into the postseason, they would have to have an outright better record than all of the other teams in the mix for a wild card spot because they wouldn't have any of the head-to-head tiebreakers. So I just think this is a situation today where we can go ahead and do the eulogy for the Bengals 2023 season. Bar Scott, you want to see a dead body? Mm-hmm. You want to take it back to Boys in the Hood? You yeah, want to see a dead body? A dead well, body. all you got to do is go to M&T Bank Thanks, Stadium. Because that's, that's, that's where the body is from Cincinnati right now. The Bengals season is over. The rigor is setting in. It's a wrap. And, and, and here's why you guys are wrong. I'm not saying that they're going to win the Super Bowl, but when you think about the other quarterbacks that are vying for the sixth and seventh seed, I'll even give you yeah, guys – CJ Stroud. Hi, no, hold look. on a second. You got Dorian Thompson-Robinson. You got Aiden O'Connell, amongst others, and whoever the Jets have, let's assume it's Zach Wilson and not Aaron Rodgers. 
I'm not saying it's viable that Cincinnati makes the playoffs, yeah. but the sixth and seventh seed in the AFC will probably have nine wins. And Jake Brownie, who played in 53 games in college, his experience showed up last night. I mean, he pros, wasn't great, but I'm just telling you, when you look at the other quarterbacks in the AFC, they are not dead. Guess, guess what else happened last night? We got to see what Brownie does good and what he don't do good. And now defense, listen, the Ravens didn't know what to do at first. Oh, he got a little athleticism. Who knew? We never Who saw knew? Jake <laughs> Brownie, not familiar with this word. He wasn't even on the scouting report. He wasn't even on the scouting report. Now he's going to get a lot more attention, and, and now he's going to have expectations. It, and that's tough to deal with. If you were just joining us, it was a brutal night all the way around. Mark Andrews appears to have been lost for the season for the Ravens. Sure. OBJ got hurt late in that game. A tough night all around in that bruising AFC North in the and the Ravens win. They're on top of the division, and the Bengals are in trouble. Meanwhile, it is the game that is sweeping the nation. It's called Can He or Can't He? Here we go. Chris, can Dalen Hurts win the Super Bowl rematch Monday? Can he or can't he? Oh, he can, G. And when you look at this Eagles team, you're talking about it coming down to a fumbled snap by Jalen Hurts in the decisive loss in Super Bowl 57. This is a team that can run the football, even though they don't have as many quarterback design runs. But in looking at the task that they have at hand, coming off of a bye week, yes, but Andy Reid also coming off of a bye, and he's 31-6 and six if you include the postseason. So it's going to be a tall task, but I absolutely think the Eagles can get it done. Steelers and Browns on Sunday. Can Kenny Pickett overcome that dominant Browns defense? Can he or can't he? He can, and he's not going to have the benefit of the quarterback turning the ball over four times like they did in the first matchup between these two teams. And if you look at the Steelers' offense. They've been outgained in every single game this season through the first 10 weeks of the NFL. Teams that have done that in the past, nobody else has finished with a winning record. It's not sustainable and that's why it's not going to happen this weekend for them against the Browns. Mm -hmm. And then one more. Josh Allen and the Bills has been a week of turmoil. Can he win this rematch against the Jets? Can he or can't he? He can, but I have zero confidence that he will and it's because of everything that I'm hearing coming out of Buffalo. They're talking about Josh Allen having more say in the offense, having more sway in what they do. Newsflash, Sean McDermott, Joe Brady, more Josh Allen is not better. <laughs> Josh Allen throws the ball to the other team. He gives it away like it's going out of style. I can't remember the last time we've talked about a player that leads the NFL in turnovers in back-to-back -back seasons. But that's what we find ourselves with with Josh Allen. He's leading the league in turnovers now. He led the league in turnovers last year. 23 turnovers in 19 games last year. That is what is killing the Buffalo Bills. If Josh Allen doesn't have all the turnovers that we saw on Monday night, they find their way on the winning side of that game against the Denver Broncos. What they're saying about Josh Allen feels like they are further enabling him to have those turnover-worthy plays, and that's why I have no trust and what the Buffalo Bills will be for the remainder of the I've season. I've heard that name before, Joe Brady. Where, where, Matt Rule. He got fired by Matt Rule, and we expect him to come. That happened. Be, yeah. That Here's happened. Here's the thing. Let, let's, let's dive into the week that was in Buffalo, because they lose this terrible game by having 12 men on the field, and so that got all the attention on Tuesday morning rather than Trayvon Diggs tweeting that his brother needs to get up on out of there. Yeah. Then the following day, he tweets again, this time saying, remember, he, that was during the game. Mm. Man, 14 got to get up out of there. Then we didn't talk about it at all Tuesday morning because they had 12 men on the field. Then the next morning, he tweets, let's not forget, he, meaning Josh Allen, didn't yeah. start going off till bro got there. We didn't get to talk about that because five minutes later, they fired their offensive coordinator, yeah. and that got all the attention. One way or another, Stefan had to get up there yesterday and explain it. I'm not responsible for how other people feel. Anybody in this room, for this matter, a reporter, a player, even my own brother, you know what I'm saying? Like, I love my brother. 
in the space that my brother's coming from is my family. You know what I'm saying? So uh, you want to know how he feels, you got to gotta take it up with him. I've never really said anything about being unhappy or um, in the instance of that. So when you draw a conclusion as to um, how I feel in my foreseeable future here, I've never said anything but about, but, but I was a, uh, I'm a Buffalo Bill. I give it everything I got. Um, I'm a professional, and I treat this game as such. It's written all over your face. <laughs> you don't have to say a word. <laughs> all over your face. We ain't got to say nothing, man. We've seen the body language, man. And listen, Chris, me and you both know. Now, this is a girlfriend, a mother, yeah. a non-NFL brother. I push it to the side, right? Yeah. You be talking reckless sometimes. Of course. Yeah. Responding to tweets. But when it comes from your brother that plays in this league, that understands. Listen, he said bro ain't been – wasn't it until, you know, 14 got there. Yeah. You don't think that – listen, we all have driven home after games with our family, and we tell them the truth. Oh, yeah, for sure. We tell them oh, the yeah. truth. Oh, hey, yeah. Hey, how's the coach? How's this player? Oh, we tell them the truth. Yeah. You definitely tell your brother who can understand and relate the truth. So when he says that, he may have not said that then – but he's trying to figure out a way to get up out of there because guess what? The window is closed but here's the, for the Buffalo But here's Bills. the thing, though, Bart. It's what he didn't say. Like, we're, we're talking about the Josh Allen of it all. What I didn't hear him say is, yeah, Josh is my guy and I got his back and this is going to be the dude that I ride with for the fourth. He didn't say yeah, that. Listen. He said, listen, I'm, it's my family. We're going to handle this a certain way, and I appreciate yeah. if y'all give it that respect. It didn't sound like he yeah. was giving the vote of confidence yeah, to exactly. Steph Diggs like it sounded like with Joe Brady called him the best quarterback in the NFL. The reality is Stephon is 30 years old. Windows open and close in this league. If you're a good player, you got two windows. If you're a quarterback, you got three or four because the, your lifespan is longer. Mm -hmm. He's getting on the wrong side of 30, and he's in a contract that he can't get out because he had dad cap money. The only way yep. he can get out is the James Hartness situation if the season continues to go this way. Let's do that. What is the contract situation? Everyone in the world is wondering, if they don't turn it around this year, will Stephon Diggs be back? What does the contract say? $18.5 next year, it's not guaranteed. And, you know, not to cast aspersions on football, players here but sometimes when the guarantees run out that's when the guy starts getting upset about the contract am I right there my <laughs> I think I've heard that once or two thousand times in my life gotta say a few things all right because I've talked to a lot of people close to this situation this week Stefan Diggs since the mini camp flare-up that, that everybody knew about has not been a problem in that building now what he's saying to his brother on the drive home we don't know but I think the point he's making in this press conference is I have not caused any problems here. I have been professional. I've been a Buffalo. Don't, don't, I mean, that, that's what we're getting from inside the building. So, what he's saying privately to his brother and how that's coming out on Twitter, I think that is, that, that, that actually. Instant classic, Super Bowl sequel, had to rematch it. Run that back, each hike dramatic. Quarterback option, might rush a pass it. Eagles at Chiefs, lacing up your cleats. Repeated defeat, got the fans on their feet. Hey, you gotta love this right here!
It's the Monday night we've been waiting for all year long. Chiefs and Eagles again, the Super Bowl rematch, and could it be a Super Bowl preview? Let's dive into it here quickly as we go through games on this football Friday. Who do you like and why Monday night, Bart Scott? I like the Eagles. Um, I think they got the best dynamic, most dynamic player um, as far as a skill position in A.J. Brown. You know, and I just think eventually the, the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs can't score over 24 points against good opponents is going to come back to haunt them. Uh, Jalen Hurts, I am a little bit concerned with the knee brace because when you go back to the Super Bowl, it was his legs that really helped them to be competitive in that game. And, you know, I, I think the offensive line is going to be great. Uh, Kelsey's going to be the X factor, but it's going to be Jason Kelsey, not Travis. You know, uh, Jason Kelsey, I like that pick. It's an interesting note. You know, Graziano, uh, yesterday in that exact seat, Orlovsky said his favorite thing in this game is the under. He thinks for all this talk and all these quarterbacks yeah. and everyone else, he actually thinks it is the defenses that will dominate this game. Do you see it that way? And if that's the case, I think the Chiefs have the edge. The way they're playing defense this year, I yeah. think. And, and obviously, all that incredible talent the Eagles have up front. Yes, but on the back end, they've had their issues. Yes. And I think Kansas City has not. I mean, they've been locked down defense, and they've, they've – A.J. Brown – I mean, Kansas City's made it really tough on wide receivers this year. So, coming off of – Andy Reid coming off a of bye. There's no better bet in the league. And I think the way the Chiefs have been playing defense, they can limit the Eagles enough. You agree? It's interesting. I agree with Orlovsky, but for different reasons. Last year in the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes was not sacked. Their tackles aren't playing as well this year. Donovan Smith, Jawan Taylor, they're not as good as they right. were a year ago. If this game was in Philly, I like Philly by 10 points because of the Ooh. crowd noise and the, and the way they could rush the passer. The fact that they're at home will help those tackles, but this will be a low-scoring game. And I guess my final question on this would be, are we going to see the Chiefs' offense that we all remember and love at any point this season? Is Rasheed Rice or someone else no. going to be able to step to the fore and turn this into a high-flying attack yeah. again? Super quick. I think it'll be better than it's been, yeah. but I don't know that it's going to get to the level you're talking about. Death by a thousand paper cuts. They don't get easy scores, but they, you know, he's great at you know, hitting 10 receivers in one game, but that's not sustainable. This is the Philadelphia Eagles with Andy Reid, Brian Westbrook, Donovan McNabb. It's, it's long handoffs. It's not explosive. All right, we'll see again. That's a huge one coming Monday, and we'll have preview of so many other of the Sunday games and much more on what happened last night as we go. But Legler came in here just so I, I want to ask him about this. In the NBA, last night, Warriors coach Steve Kurt was not hesitant in calling out his own star, Draymond Green, for his actions that led to a five-game suspension. Tuesday night, as you saw, Green breaking up an altered grabbing Rudy Gobert around the neck, placing him in a chokehold. Here's what Steve Kerr said yesterday. Yes, he definitely took it too far. Um, I didn't have a problem with him getting Rudy off of clay because, you know, the rule of thumb is you don't put your hands on another player on the other team. You, you, take, you get your own guy. And so I thought Rudy was wrong for putting his arms on clay, regardless of his uh, intentions. So Draymond was wrong. Um, he knows that. Um, it's a bad look. The, the five games is deserved. So that's Steve Kerr saying the five games is deserved. Here's Tim Legler. I want to hear what you say. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm just glad Steve came out the second day, okay, and said that because the first day was kind of like, you're going to believe me or you're lying eyes because right. I know what I saw. And I thought five games was light, my opinion. I thought when it happened – and I was getting my opinion asked what this was going to lead to. I said, this is going to be probably a 10-game suspension for a variety of reasons. One, completely unnecessary. Draymond Green did not need to go over there and engage Rudy Gobert. If you want to go over, put your arms on his shoulder, kind of move him because he had his hands on Clay. fine. He wasn't trying to throw Clay to the ground, Rudy Gobert. He wasn't trying to escalate that in any way. 
I think Draymond Green had enough room on the court before he got there to make up his mind not to do that. But the, here's the thing that really led to the five, and I thought it should have been ten. Why wasn't he letting go of them? Yes, that's the point. You're dragging him 20 feet, and Rudy Gobert's eyes as big as saucers, by the way. You get grabbed from behind in that position and basically a chokehold and dragged backwards, it's a scary thing. You're totally out of control of your own body, and he just wouldn't let go. And at one point, he's like literally looking down at him into his face after seven, eight seconds, and he still has that grip on him. So for me, that's where it, it just crossed the line of, you know, not five games. This has to be ten I thought 10 to send it a real message on this kind of action. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought 10 games might have been light when you consider and I, the and circumstances. I would not, I would not he's dragging him. He's holding him around the throat for six seconds, and he has all of the history that he has. I would ask again, what does a person have to do to get suspended 10 games in the NBA? I was very surprised this was only five. Yeah, incredibly. And look, at least the league also came out with transparency and said, look, we're taking past actions into account because they, they used to deny that that was the case with certain suspensions. Now they were. So if you're taking all of it in totality and you have this situation, which really could have been a dangerous situation also, because when he first grabs like right there, you don't even know what kind of injury you potentially could cause to Rudy Gobert's neck, right? To his throat, to his larynx. Like you could literally put Rudy Gobert on injury reserve or, or put him out of action for a long period of time. Fortunately, he didn't get injured, but it's just such a dangerous thing. And, and Steve Kerr, I thought, hit it on the head with this phrase when he said, the visual of it. Terrible. The visual of it, right? Anytime we see a person in any, in any aspect of life, whether it's sports, whether it's in the news, you see someone in that position, your visceral reaction, gut reaction is, oh, my God, you want to look away from it. So five games, I think all in all, they should count their blessings. All right, let, let me get one very quick take from you on James Harden. Yeah. Uh, we got the Clippers who have really struggled since he got there. And by that, I mean they haven't won a game since he got there. And the Sixers have looked much, much better. We've paid a lot of attention to that this week. I'm a little short on time because the yeah. football stuff okay. is crazy. But people are asking, did the Clippers make a mistake bringing him in? Is this ever going to work? I think it's a mistake because they didn't need it. Because the bottom line is this. If you buy into the Clippers as any sort of threat in the Western Conference, it's based around one thing, Kawhi Leonard's health. You already had enough to contend in the West because it's Denver and then everybody else. The Clippers were in that mix as constituted if you bought into Kawhi Leonard being healthy. So James Harden, for me, doesn't move the needle. In fact, I think it's the opposite of that because they're just going to get slower and slower and slower. And if he doesn't have the basketball in his hands as the primary playmaker, he doesn't do a lot on the court to help anybody. And the ball is going to be in Paul George's hands and Kawhi Leonard's hands, Russell Westbrook's hands. So how exactly does that help you other than maybe win a couple regular season games on a night Kawhi sits? That's about all you've done for yourself. I'm with you. Listen, next week we'll do a lot more of this. Good to see you, Legs. Thank you, as always. Don't forget, the inaugural NBA in-season tournament continues tonight. we got the Kings taking on the big man, Wemby and the Spurs. And then we've got KD and the Suns versus Utah. Coverage starts NBA Countdown 7 Eastern on ESPN. Meanwhile, back to the Thursday night nightmare coming up next. Bengals lose Burrow. Are they done? Ryan Clark chimes in with his opinion next. 